You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. From Spagnolo and Stafford loses the football. Knocked away by Jason Pierre-Paul. And it looks like the Giants had it. And they do. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan. The best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Grump, we are recording this late on a Thursday night, and we are seeing about a 1,000 yards of offense in this Minnesota Rams game, which is probably more than the Giants have had in the first three games this year. Yeah, I would say so. Um, but hopefully we're on the right track here. But <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a different universe than what we're used to seeing with the Giant offense for the past you know, two-plus years, so... Hopefully we saw some light at the end of the tunnel last week in the Houston game, and hopefully that carries over against kind of another sieve of a defense with New Orleans. Right, so if you want to check out our last episode, it was a review of the Giants' first legitimate win since 2016. Um, You can check that out on our iTunes and SoundCloud page or follow the show on Twitter at JustGiantsPod. Um, This week... The New Orleans Saints come to MetLife Stadium at 425 on Sunday to battle the 1-2 and two New York Giants. Initial thoughts, Grump? Well, it's never fun playing Drew Brees and the Saints, but if you are going to play them, the best place to play them is anywhere that isn't the Superdome, right? <laughs> yeah, I actually will disagree. I think it is always fun when we play them. We see, you know... Absolutely zero defense on either side of the ball, you know, either team. <laughs> We've seen, you know, another, I think a thousand yard game. I think the last time we were down there, that insane, what was it 51, 40 yeah. something game? It was kind of like this, yeah. but just more, more insanity. Um, but we have had a lot more success playing them here in the Meadowlands than going to New Orleans. So, um, you know, we've seen baby steps with the offense. Uh, we've seen the offensive line play a lot better last week than the first couple of weeks uh, against a very, very bad defense. This really could become a shootout. And I think if it does become a shootout with the weapons that we do have and the way Eli, you know, can still, you know, matriculate this offense down the field, I think we're up for the challenge. The question is, can we stop anybody, you know, at all? And I don't know the answer to that just yet. The the defense for New Orleans is a huge weakness. I, I mean, uh, on paper, a lot of times I kind of pencil New Orleans in as this sleeper playoff push team. But just watching the defense play, I feel like it's been like this for the last couple of years now where they're just not that good. I mean, they step up in big, big games and, you know, they were one miracle play away from playing the Eagles for the NFC title game last year. Uh, but it just, well, ever since, you know, yeah, ever since they've had Greg Williams, they've had bad defensive coordinators. They've had a lot of injuries in the defensive side. And they just, they've just, you know, had the mindset of we're just going to outscore everybody. And then, you know, the hell with defense. And maybe yeah, it certainly NFL, seems that way. And maybe in the NFL now, that's the way to win. I mean, we're looking at this Rams team right now. It seems like they can score at will. Kansas City looks like they can score at will. Minnesota looks like that. Maybe that's the way, you know, you win in this league right now is just, we're not going to worry about, you know, having that amazing defense. We're just going to outscore and, and just, you know, punish teams with you know, 450 yards of offense a game. 
Um, I mean, I think that could be a strategy. It doesn't have to be the strategy, like the way to win, but it could be yeah. a way to win. And certainly New Orleans has made a living off of it, but we've seen them get outshot out even at home this year against Ryan Fitzpatrick's Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, yeah. and, and very nearly lost last week to Atlanta in a shootout where they just sort of came up with the win in overtime. They marched right down the field and won, but. Right, right. This week we've gotten some good news and some bad news on the injury front. Which would you like first? Might as well give me the bad news because I'm so used to it. All right. Well, uh, in addition to Ingram, who we knew was not going to play for a couple weeks with a sprained MCL, I believe, um, sustained in the last game where he did not return, he did not practice. He will not practice for a while. There were also three other surprises added to the injury report with Snacks, did not practice with a knee injury. Cody Latimer had a knee injury. He did not practice yet this week, and neither Jonathan Jonathan Stewart with a foot injury. That's the bad news. Yeah, well, you know, Jonathan Stewart's kind of a guy where it seems like he's almost a forgotten man in the rotation right now, you know, especially last mm-hmm. week. Did he even have any carries last week? No, he did. He they did? both I went mean, for five, four or five yards at something like that. Yeah, they, I mean... You use him as infrequently as we as he did. He kind of seems to be forgotten. Um, Latimer, that could be a problem, especially if this yeah. becomes a, a a definite shootout. And you know, guys are you know, double teaming um, Beckham and you know all the usual suspects. And without having Ingram, he really becomes your third receiver as opposed to third receiver in name. Uh, and exactly. snacks, you know, this might be a game where uh, the Saints try to throw it sixty times. So may not be as critical as you're playing a team like Dallas, for example. That's an but interesting still, thought. But still a real miss if he's not there. I mean, obviously, yeah. we need that anchor on the defensive line, but it's not as critical as it could be against other opponents. Yeah, I mean, he really is the unsung hero of the defense. Um, the good news is Olivier Vernon returned to practice this week on a limited basis for the first time since preseason, and so did Eli Apple. Um, Apple, I don't think I expect to play this week, uh, just because with a groin injury, just being limited in individual drills, I don't know. I think it's too soon to bring him back. Vernon, I think we might, there's a bigger chance, although still small, that he is sprinkled in for a couple of plays. Yeah. If this is a game where may not be the worst thing, if snacks is limited or doesn't play, this is a game where we need Eli Apple because again, it's going to be an air raid. They're going to throw 60 times potentially. So Whatever, uh, you know, whatever magic potion Mr. Miyagi could kind of, you know, rub his hands together and, and put on his groin. Hopefully that will help. <laughs> you know, that 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 technique never never quite worked for my groin. Um, <laughs> I try on a nightly basis, and it's... <laughs> um, as bad as our injury situation is, New Orleans sort of has. Um, just as bad of a problem. I mean, their secondary has already been trash on a defense that isn't bad, but they just had Patrick Robinson go to IR this week with uh, a broken bone in his ankle. Uh, So even he's gone now at that point. Um, Marcus Davenport, who they traded the farm for to take in the first round this year, did not practice with a hip injury. And Manti Teo, who is somehow still playing uh, as, as a starter, did not practice either with a knee injury. So, I mean, that's a lot of hits to an already bad defense. And also, you know, their offensive line, I know the tackles have been a problem this year. And I think yes. they have injuries also. So that's, uh, 
We're starting to get to week four, week five, week six, where we're seeing around the league, everybody starts having those injury issues. And, you know, it's just, you know, how do you recover? Where This is where your depth comes in. This is where you see how, yeah. you know, how balanced your roster is. So you can't say boo-hoo-hoo for me from the injuries when it's happening to everybody. Yeah, I mean, like, you certainly can, but it's it's the NFL is all about how you react to injuries. You know, it's not like baseball where you just sort of have a pitcher out for three months and you let him rest those three months and then you come back for a wild card push and he's on right. fire. Or call um, somebody from the minor leagues. You, you can't do that in the NFL. You're, you're yeah, kind of no. screwed. Yeah. yeah. But, and it, it's all about how you, you react to that and certain teams react better than others. And sometimes the injuries pile at one position like the Giants last year where, mm-hmm. you know, it's just going to have to be a weakness for the whole year. You're going to have to find a way around it. Right. So I watched all three of the Saints games so far um, in which they lost a shootout at home, won a shootout, and just barely edged off the Cleveland Browns at home. Uh, so I had a little bit of everything. I had, you know, how to beat them in a shootout, how to limit their offensive weaponry, and uh, what not to do in a shootout. <laughs> and I guess the bottom line would be, you know, Drew Brees is playing – at an elite level, some of the best players of his Still. career. And, yeah. And even with the offensive line issues and, and everything, so it's it's very simple. Make him uncomfortable in the pocket. Yeah, and, and he's a unique one because he can run. He will run. He's not unwilling, but he's the kind of guy who tries to look downfield. But because of his size, the best way – to get Drew Brees uncomfortable is pressure straight up the middle. Mm-hmm. Straight up the middle so he can't step into throws. He already can barely see over his offensive line. The real way to do it is to keep him contained but keep the pressure in the middle. Um, and the the answer is to not blitz him very often because he is very astute, incredibly smart, prepares very well, and if he knows the blitz is coming, he will pick apart a defense time after time and just destroy. let you destroy yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, in the last two years, this is now the second year, he's had probably the best checkdown guy he's had in his entire time there. And that includes Darren Sproles. But Alvin Kamara um, is something else. I mean, there's no other way to say it but that. I mean, he's... He's as close to Saquon Barkley in the league, I think, as Saquon Barkley, right? That's funny because I was going to say Saquon Barkley is the closest thing to Alvin Kamara. You know, the the, the initial comparison. I mean, obviously, I've said on this show a couple of times, he reminds me of Barry Sanders. But if you want to talk about a contemporary, you know, the way he plays, it's it's uh, it's Kamara. Yeah. Yeah. The guy plays wherever you want him. I, I guess um, McCaffrey sort of is the same way in where you can kind of play him, whatever. But they just don't. He he doesn't have the same kind of effect on the offense. At, at least he, not he yet. He doesn't have he doesn't have that off the first tackle, second gear, and then can take off like he does. Yeah. Um. But but Kamara does everything that that Barkley does. Uh. You know he splits in the slot out wide. You know. He can run really well, and he's outstanding as a receiver, as a checkdown guy. Makes guys miss, routinely makes guys miss, and always falls forward. Um, 
he is going to be the biggest matchup to watch this week is I don't want to see Alec Ogletree on Kamara at all. I think the best course of action is to have either Landon Collins or Michael Thomas near him at all times. And I think I'm waiting to see a Landon Collins breakout game this week. He's been kind yeah, of yeah. It's certainly interesting rel- how he's been relatively low key so far this year. Then you know the, the stats aren't been fantastic, and we really haven't seen him, you know, be dominant in any one of these first couple of games. So I I think this is kind of the time where you know against an offense that's going to go past crazy and stuff, and this is where we need him to step up. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't played bad. He hasn't gotten beat or anything, but he's not being used the same way that Steve Spagnuolo used him, where he's like this down-in-the-box chess piece that's moving around all the time. He's kind of been playing back a little bit, which is why he doesn't have nearly as many tackles as you know last year at this time. Um, I mean, he's still being put down there, but he's being moved a lot. Uh, and, I, you know, it could be because of deficiencies at safety this year where this, this – uh, Coaching staff doesn't have the same kind of trust in the other safeties and defensive backs that Spagnuolo did. I, I don't really know what it is, but he's just not being used the same way. But I think this is an instance where you really want Collins to be set up on a guy and eliminate him. Mm-hmm. Or at least limit him. And we're going to have to do anything this week like we've had to do in the last couple of weeks of like spying the quarterback from taking off and running. You could play a little more you know, of a normal defense, so... Yeah, you're right. This is the first time. So like I had mentioned earlier, um, Drew Brees can run and will run, but it's not something that he's looking to do, whereas Sean Watson has a designed run. Dak Prescott does. Uh, Even even to an extent, Blake Bortles, because of his limitations as a passer, you know, they run that run-pass option. Right. This this is not an RPO team. This is not not Aaron Rodgers who creates something out of nothing even. Yeah. No, that's correct. Um, and you know, while we're on the topic of James Betcher and all that, uh, one of the matchups I really want to watch is the the chess match between James Betcher and you know Sean Payton slash Drew Brees. Uh, you know, there's a lot of posturing that goes on in games where, you know, how do they line up against this or what do they do against this formation? How do we react to that? You know, and that's why a lot of these games are sort of stale until the fourth quarter, third quarter, because a lot of the uh, trump cards are taken out then, or things are all set up for one big play later. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm really interested to see who has the upper hand there. Is you know, Sean Payton, Andrew Brees are basically one like mind, <laughs> the hive mind of New Orleans, uh, un- almost unparalleled in the league. What definitely one of the best offensive schemes there is. And James Betcher is that rising star defensive coordinator that was highly sought after this year. Well, I think this is going to be a question of who controls the line of scrimmage. And I think we'll know Mm. it pretty early if it's something where, you know, their offensive line can't handle what Betcher throws at him. And then I think uh, Reese will have problems. If we can't get much of a pass rush on it, he'll pick us apart. So I I think we're going to know pretty early, and I think it comes down to, to line play. Yeah, and that's that's an interesting point because I think this Saints team, whereas in the past, might might have one of the least exciting crops of receivers. Uh, I mm-hmm. mean, obviously they have Michael Thomas has been outstanding through three weeks, but he's also had fumble problems, some drop problems, uh, you know. And outside of him, it you know, Ted Ginn somehow still in the league. Seriously, <laughs> I I mean, I would not have guessed. Who's been on more teams, Wade Phillips, 
Norv Turner <laughs> or Ted Ginn Jr. I mean, those guys have been on a co- yeah, they've been on a combined 47 teams between the three of them coaching and playing. So you just wake up, you know, there's certain guys in every sport where you, all of a sudden you're play, watching some random game and, oh, wow, Ted Ginn Jr. is on this game. So <laughs> you roll the dice and it comes up with New Orleans for this year. What the hell? Benjamin Watson, is that his name? The the tight end? How long has he been around? Um, I don't know. It seems like a while, but I'm getting yeah. old. I, yeah, we're all getting old. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, this game really comes down to, from a offensive standpoint, Drew Brees finding a way to get those other guys involved so it's not just Kamara and Michael Thomas. Uh, the, the best way to eliminate that is to put pressure on Trubies. Uh You know, make those tight throws where you get better coverage on slower, less, you know, less reliable receivers, you know, that much harder. Uh, the more pressure you're able to put on Drew Brees where he's sort of panicking, the more he's just going to target Michael Thomas and mm-hmm. just kind of throw it without really looking when he's not really open. And that's when mistakes happen. That's when turnovers happen. And that's how you win the game. Uh, you know, winning that turnover battle. I think I need to see if a step-up game also from Janoris Jenkins, too. I know the first two games of the year, his target percentage against him was pretty good. I think he played a little better last week, but we're going to really need him to step up as well because he's, you know, we don't know what Eli Apple's story is. He probably won't play. And, you know, again, with the amount of passing we're going to see and the, and the shots are going to take, he needs to be a lockdown guy. So, yeah, I'm with you there. Um, and I I wouldn't be surprised if he shadows Michael Thomas anytime he's not in the slot position. I'm not even so. sure if you would take him in that position. Mm-mm. Somehow I feel like the Ted Ginn and Benjamin Watson are going to be the problem here. Uh, you know, when we watched last week, the Giants' defense sort of had its struggles in the third and fourth quarter especially dropping into zone defense in the middle of the field. It seemed like guys were just flying around wide open in the middle of the field, and it wasn't just Hopkins. Uh, and that's nothing new. <laughs> no, unfortunately, it's nothing new. Yeah. Um, I'm just worried that those open throws in the middle of the field are going to go to Watson. He's going to be like a chain mover. Uh, and then I'm also worried that there's going to be the one slip-up play where, you know, B.W. Webb or Curtis Riley, you know, slips up just enough for Ted Ginn to get behind them, God. go for like some fifty-five <laughs> yard touchdown. Yeah, that's that's my fear. I think I think if Ted Ginn and Benjamin Watson are kept in front of the defense, they'll be fine. Well, that's the thing is we need to limit the number of explosive plays. I mean, the last thing we can mm-hmm. do is just give them, you know. A 70-yard touchdown play, a 60-yard touchdown, you know, 45-yard touchdown play. Let's make them earn it. You know, mm-hmm. if they have to, uh, you know, matriculate down the field, that's fine. But the last thing we want to do is just give up the quick strike, and you know, that's a backbreaker. We can't get into that, you know, uh, that type of dogfight with them. Even with, even with, even with Odell Beckham, we can't do that. Yeah. No, you're right. Um... This is a game where, offensively speaking, we're going to want to run the ball. I, I, obviously, you want to put up points against Drew Brees, but I think controlling the clock 
being able to run the ball and put up points and keep Drew Brees off the field. And then, like you said on defense, if the worst thing you do is let them matriculate down the field, then it's not so bad. But if you you, you prevent them from scoring quickly, make them punt every once in a while, and then on offense control the clock and put up points, I think that's a really good way uh, to win this game. Yeah, I mean, we want to be the 2015 offense where we have the big play capability, but our limitations are there in the offensive line. We're not going to be able to do that consistently yet. We saw some signs last week, but it's not consistent. And it, 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 we get into that, we're going to lose. You know, it's going to be, yeah. uh, you know, we could end up giving potentially 50 points if we get into a, a shootout like that because, you know, we've been pretty fortunate that the turnover bug hasn't hit us yet. And if we start forcing things, it could really happen. Then yeah. it gets ugly. Yeah, and I, I know that the the big play is probably something that isn't going to happen. One of the matchups I really want to watch is Beckham and Lattimore. I assume that Marshawn Lattimore is going to be following Odell Beckham around, given the uh, the problems with this defense. Um, something's going to happen there. I don't really know if it's good or bad. Uh, but I just feel like between the two of those guys, the fact that Beckham hasn't scored a touchdown yet, not that I think he really cares, but just yeah, I, I just feel like something, something, someone's going to get beat there. I imagine some personal fouls are going to happen too. There's going to you be know, some talking see, and chippiness. I want to see, you know, the touchdown would be fantastic, obviously, but I want to see a couple of big plays from Beckham. I mean, yeah. he's had a lot of catches, he's had a lot of yardage, but he hasn't had that signature Beckham I'm going to turn a 12-yard catch into 70 yards. Mm-hmm. You know, I haven't seen that, you know, that big down-the-field play yet from him. You know, we, he's been very reliable. You know, he's getting a ton of catches, and, you know, it's been him in the Barkley show for, you know, the first three weeks, really. But we haven't seen, you know, that big play, that one where you're flipping field position or you're going all the way for a touchdown. And I think this is the type of game where I think we're going to see that. I think we're, quite frankly, going to need it. I'm talking yeah. about holding them to having the big plays and getting to the shootout. Well, shit. We could use that on our side, a couple of, you know, three plays, 70 yard, you know, scoring drives or something, or just getting behind the defense and a, a quick score. Um, we have, yeah, and yet. We haven't proven yet we're the best of red zone offenses yet. We need to have those quick scores wherever we can get them. Yeah, and those are the kind of things that you would like to do after you force a turnover, usually. Or, you know, you just set up that running game and gash the, the middle of the field where they're truly weak and then play action off of it with a double move. And somebody like uh, uh, Odell Beckham is just too much to handle for one person. It's too much uh, to handle especially when he gets 90, behind. For 95% of the cornerbacks in this league, he's too much to handle. But I, I just have this weird feeling that based on the type of player that Lattimore is and... I, I I just have this weird feeling that something bad is gonna happen. Not not bad, but someone's going to get beat, whether it's Beckham or Lattimore, and uh, the other person's yeah. not gonna like it too much. Well, you know, Beckham is showing baby steps of maturity and growth. I mean, he kind of came off of that uh, Jacksonville game pretty unscathed. That was good. Dallas is kind of a mouthy team. We didn't see any incidents really with him for that. So. Um, Maybe he's developing a thicker skin, and maybe you know they might Lattimore might get mouthy, and maybe Beckham is still, you know, maturing as a person where it doesn't bother him as much. Of course, you know, like you said, if somebody gets burnt, 
could snap at any moment, but so far, so good for what we've seen from the 2018 version of him. Well, I'm not necessarily saying that he's going to do anything. It's just, you know, just being mouthy can set somebody else off. Um, yeah. We, we, we saw... I mean, I hate to bring up the past with this kind of shit, but, you know, even even like the Rams game in 2015 where it seemed like the entire oh. Rams defense was trying to kill him. Yeah, that was that was disgusting, that game. Yeah. That was a game I mean, like really... It, you could press charges after a game like that, the way that the shots he was taking. Yeah. So, I, I something... I, I just feel like one person gets burnt, the other one has something to say. Somebody else comes in from nowhere. I mean, remember... Um, I think it was 2016 against Washington. Maybe it was 20... No, I think it was last year. I think it was the second game of the season against Washington where Beckham had some great big play where he stiff-armed Norman and ran in for a touchdown. And it was called back because Weston Richburg, like, pinned Norman to the ground and said something to him. Yeah. It's just that, that kind of thing where once it starts getting chippy, everybody gets involved. So I'm not necessarily saying that he's going to be the guilty party, but that matchup right there, I think it might be the pot stirring. And New Orleans has always been introducing a punk team also. Yes. So I wouldn't be surprised if they um, start pulling some bullshit. The ghost of Greg Williams could come out. Such an asshole. Um, <laughs> um, I am going to give this a loss in pencil, but I'm going to give it lighter pencil than I would have thought of a couple weeks ago. I think we have the potential if we have continued growth in the offensive line, better communication like we've had to give Eli enough time to run this offense against a pretty bad defense where we can put up points. Um, the question is going to be, if we get into a shootout, how bad can it be and can we keep up? Um, again, we've, we've discussed it all last week and on Twitter, you know, all this week about, you know, the effects of Chad Wheeler on this entire offensive line and as bad as he did play, you know, was it really a, a beneficial impact to have him in there? He's going to get tested again this week. You know, again, it may not be the greatest defense he's facing in the world, but, you know, I believe he's below average. And this is the type of game, if we have any hope that he's going to hold up for the rest of the season, he has to at least stand his ground this week. So this will be a good test to see how he does. Uh, I want to see more growth in the offensive line. I want to see continued better communication. Uh, I want to see Barkley getting a little more, you know, a little more assertive as he's running. He's going to get more and more confidence as he's playing. Not quite dance around as much back there, but actually be assertive. Um, he's a dangerous weapon. It's just going to get better and better. Uh, you know, it's, but sometimes you worry. You want that growth to happen sooner than later. So let's see him take another step this week. I think he had the potential to have a massive game. Him and Beckham, I think, can both have massive games this week. Um, but I, I think at the end of the day that the, the chances of becoming a shootout are pretty good, and I'm not quite sure yet we can go punch for punch with them. So I'm going to put that in a light pencil as a loss. High scoring, but a light pencil as a loss. I had basically all the same thoughts as you. Um, I felt that... Yeah, right. Um I feel like the offensive line is not quite where it needs to be, even though it seems to be improving. And and I mean it improving, not Chet Wheeler, not, mm -hmm. you know, taking flowers out. But, you know, the left side, the middle seems to be improving as they get more and more acclimated to this system that they're all being thrown into. Um, 
but it's not quite there yet where they are ready to win a shootout. And I think the problem therein lies that Drew Brees and Sean Payton are just very hard to defend against, and I don't think that this defense is quite ready for that yet, especially with injuries to Apple and Vernon. Uh, I think at full strength, you know, this might be a different story, but I think we start to put up points but ultimately fall to them towards the end of the fourth quarter and lose 30-27 to 27 is my, my take on this. This will be a game, if we do lose 30-27, to 27, you're going to be pissed off going on the, on the train going home. But when you look at the tape and think about it and say, the offense is playing so much better than it did after week two, keep that in yeah. mind as you're watching this game and your post-game analysis. Don't, and I hate, it's hard to say as a fan, it's hard to say you're at the stadium, you know, you've had a couple of drinks. You obviously want your team to win. You're pissed off when they lose. But I think you're going to see more strides from this team if it's not the, you know, the final outcome for the score and how much we win or, or lose by. So keep that in mind. We are still in a rebuild scenario. And we're still you know, recording this on a Thursday, 11 days away from the disaster that was that offensive line. And yeah. people are off the ledge from that already after just one game. Now, nobody's saying that this is, you know, the seven blocks of granite or anything, but we appear to be on the road to improvement. So keep the big picture in mind about the development of this team going forward, the rest of the season and going forward. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. Um... You know why I can say that perfect? Because I – if you follow my companion podcast about the Gators, I'm saying the exact <laughs> same team thing about that team. And it, it's the truth that offensive lines that have been subpar but are showing incremental growth each week and don't get ahead of your skis expecting to see, well, it looked better this week than last week. All of a sudden there's five all pros or five all Americans. Not the way it works. You know, it's be two steps forward, one step back. So just keep that in mind as you're watching and don't get pissed off if, you know, they hit a big strike because Drew Bees right now is one of the two or three best quarterbacks in the league, the way he's playing. Yeah, exactly. If this is a game to lose but have the important strides made, it's not so bad. I mean, yeah, it hurts to have a conference loss, but... Yeah, a team that a lot of people had picked to go to at least to the conference final game and maybe even the Super Bowl. So we're not talking about we're playing Arizona and looking like shit. We're talking about a legitimate team that people think are make a deep run in the playoffs. And also... You know, I know you, you, you just referenced, you know, there's five of six division games left in the conference and the tiebreakers. As a Giant fan, you have to be realistic and you can't worry about stuff like that right now. I mean, remember where we are. You know, we are in week four of a rebuilding project coming off a three and 13 disaster. You know, it's nice to think about playoffs and it's nice to think about, well, these games are more important than others, but we really need to look at development and growth. And, you know, the master plan that this team has for us in the short term and intermediate term, are we positioning ourselves that that is realistic? So, yeah, you know, this is a division, a conference game. If we want to make the playoffs, it's a game we have to win, considering, you know, we lost the Dallas game. You know, we have hmm. you know, the other two games are, are non-conference, but still. Yeah, we were. Keep those in the back of your mind, but not in the forefront of your mind about otherwise you're going to make yourself mental this whole year and be very disappointed, quite frankly, at the end of the year. So let's go around in the league, though, while we're talking about the division. Um, 
Dallas and Detroit. I feel like I've watched a whole season of Detroit games in the first three weeks, don't you? Like they've been on national <laughs> yeah. TV quite a bit, and uh, I I still feel about this Dallas game. You know, I, I this Dallas team like they're not very good. You know, if you think about that week two against us, they just scheme very well against us. You know, defensively, but their offense didn't do much of anything, save from that big play early on, which. Doris Jenkins doesn't quite slip, and the safety doesn't take the right angle. Could be a whole different game offensively from them. And, you know, I've been kind of a Dak Prescott, I don't want to say supporter, but a little bit of a defender from the Grump and his, you know, vitriol towards him. He's not played well this year. And if, you know, you combine that with having real no weapons on the outside and offensive line, it's a mess. I don't think that they can keep up with Detroit if Detroit starts rolling because Stafford at any moment, he can get you in a shootout. So I, I'm going to pick uh, Detroit in this one, and I think they're going to win kind of comfortably. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think Detroit is all that great either. Um, you know, again, it's very hard when you have a new head coach and these things. I, but Yeah, and I think that uh, Jason Garrett proves every week that he's one of the worst coaches in the league, quite frankly. In regards to Dak Prescott, I don't think he's thrown for over 200 yards in the last six weeks of football, the six six games or something like that. It's it's a it's a long stretch of time to not throw for 200 yards. And Tim Tebow's still looking for a job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's the QB out of the market. Um, Philadelphia and Tennessee. From what I saw from Tennessee against Houston, they can play really well. I don't think they stand a chance against Philadelphia though. Houston's a whole other team. Um, and you know, the uncertainty with the quarterback position, I don't really know a, if Marcus Mariota can play or B, if Marcus Mariota is that good. So yeah, do we really think he's that good? I mean, that draft, that Winston Mariota draft right now is <laughs> both of those guys have the potential for not starting in a week for their fourth year out. Is their fourth year mm -hmm. or fifth year in the league? I believe it's I believe it's their fourth year. Yeah. So we're talking year four where quarterbacks that were drafted to be potential franchise quarterbacks, neither of them are starting. Uh, it's not been confirmed yet about Winston in Tampa Bay, but I think all the all the signs are pointing to it's it's going to be uh, Fitzpatrick. But think about that. Those are you know you can put those as potential busts at this point. I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I, I wasn't very high on Mar Marcus Mariota coming out of college. I think he was a product of a really good system in college, and we've seen that a yeah. hundred times in college. I don't think Tennessee stands a chance. I think Philly wins. I don't, I don't either. And I think that Carson Wentz being back, you know, you're not is you know, everything that uh, what's-his-name did to win the Super Bowl and everything, he's not Carson Wentz, and Carson Wentz is back, and that all of a sudden elevates that offense to a – you know, another level that, you know, we don't have in this division. So I, I think they win big also. I'll put that in pen. Yeah, same. And I think Washington has a bye this week. Well, you know, I, I, I'll i give the bye a, uh, you know, underdog by two and a half. Uh, the buys look pretty good against Washington, so. <laughs> well, I mean, that's it for this week's podcast. So, but uh, the Cranky Fan and I will be watching the one o'clock games, or at least the end of them I think in the Jameson room, right? Is that where we're headed? You know it. It's 
It's a it's a Sunday. We're at Giant Stadium. Weather will be halfway decent. We don't have to rush to get there for one o'clock. We'll beat the Jameson room. You see two imbeciles at the bar come up and say hi. We, you can even buy us a drink if you'd like. We'd be more than happy to accept it. <laughs> or if you want, we can buy you one. Um, we appreciate uh, whatever support you guys give us, even just listening. But it would be even better if you gave us a five-star review, uh, a five-star five star rating, and a nice review on iTunes for our podcast. We do work so very hard. It'd be even better if you were a sponsor and you gave us a boatload of money. But let's start with the reviews and ratings first, and we'll work our way from there. But uh, <laughs> we appreciate we appreciate everybody who's been following along on following us on Twitter and been interacting with us in the last couple of weeks. It's been uh, really appreciated and nice that we're just not talking to each other. We're actually talking to giant fans. So the more ratings and reviews we get, the more of you guys we get to interact with, and that's always a lot of fun. So. Yeah, so if you do see us in the Jameson room, by all means, uh, come on over, watch the games with us. Um, you know, we could talk a little bit more about the rest of the league since we've reserved this podcast strictly for the Giants and the NFC East. Grumpa, so, what what jersey are you wearing? So the, the people know. Have you uh, made your uh, Have you made your wardrobe decision yet, or home game? Um, not a division game. I'm probably gonna wear my Landon Collins jersey. You heard it here first. And I will be breaking out Eli Manning. Fun fact that I pointed out on the uh, on Twitter last week, the Giants have not worn white yet this year. So That's week true. one was at home. They've worn blue. They went to Dallas the next week where Dallas wore white, so they wore blue. They always they wear white. Played... The, Dow- the Houston one was interesting. The Houston one was weird. Uh, yeah. I, I, is that their home jerseys, the white? I don't know. No, their home is the, uh, the dark uh, blue one. Sometimes the dark they wear blue red. One. That didn't make any sense. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. What? It was weird. And then they'll be playing at home again, so it'll be blue again. And what do we have next week? We have Carolina, who I think we're... <laughs> oh, yeah, we're going to that. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> um. What do they wear at home? I mean, they sometimes wear that teal shit. Is that what they're they, wearing? They usually wear the black with the teal on the, uh, um, the shoulder pads. So uh-huh. I am pretty positive we will finally be breaking out the whites. I will be cool. traveling with my white, so my white Eli yeah. for that. I, I wore my my Eli Manning color rush to the bar, and I looked like a damn fool. Well, and then you put the Eli jersey on, so to confirm well, it. Well, there you go. <laughs> um, if you don't approach us at the bar, uh, by all means, continue to follow us on Twitter. I'm at football underscore grump, and the podcast can be found at, at just giants pod. You can find me as always at the cranky fan and. In addition to following this podcast, check out my companion podcast, Mark and the Cranky Fan, where we discuss all things Florida Gator football. And as a little special treat, when we get to our bye week, we may have a special grump on to discuss um, potential NFL possibilities for some people for Florida and around the SEC as well. So keep an eye out for that, even if you give two shits about Florida football. How dare you? That's the case. But. You might have a, a familiar voice on that program coming up. How about that? Guess what? All right, everyone. Go Giants. Go Giants.